0: In this episode of the Smart Community Podcast, I have a brilliant conversation with Imogen Shifferley, the Regional Partnerships Innovation Coordinator at Albury City and Wodonga City Councils. Now, in case you don't know because you're not in Australia, Albury and Wodonga are twin Australian cities located on either side of the Murray River and the state border between Victoria and New South Wales. The Twin Cities are a real hub for the region and have been heavily impacted by the state border closures and lockdowns during the pandemic. So in this episode, Imogen first tells us about her background in digital technologies, particularly mobile technologies, as she's worked for both Telstra and Samsung, and how she's been now working for local government. We discuss the differences in drivers and attitudes between private companies and the public service, As well as the differences in smart community ideas between regional and urban environments. She tells us about the rural smart community strategy she's been working on and how it's been informed by the needs of the community and also impacted by the bushfires from late 2019 and early 2020 that ravaged many parts of Australia. Imogen tells us about the five themes or initiatives that underpin the strategy and what it is like to try and bring together one strategy for two cities spanning two states, encompassing 17 local government areas, and a lot of different needs. Of course, we finish our chat discussing the emerging trends of communities and individuals demanding more from their local governments and organisations, as well as some of Imogen's favourite smart community resources. As always, we hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Welcome to the smart community, smart regions, smart towns, and smart cities. It's where we live, work, and play with smart communities. The future starts today. Big data, smart mobility, emerging trends galore smart community podcast is what you're looking for hello Imogen how are you today hi Zoe I'm good thank you how are you today fabulous enjoying the sunshine yeah, absolutely <laughs> well, let's jump straight into this and can you tell us about your background
1: and what you're passionate about sure well, my background, gosh, I've been in digital technologies, I think, for well over 10 years now. Um, but when I look back, I sort of summarise at around 10 years and I've been lucky enough to be part of this whole mobile evolution through consumer right into, you know, sort of where I am today. But my background sort of started with Telstra. So working a lot in mobility with Telstra, uh, then sort of moving into, you know, ICT, so a lot of building solutions and, you know, sort of improving business continuity um, through mobile outcomes. Then that sort of evolved into actually working on solutions that were more sort of purposeful for industry. And that led me to then uh, join the team at Samsung. So for the past three and a half years, prior to joining local government, I was in Samsung. So this is actually my first introduction to local government, which I'm really excited about. For me, I think it's always been something that's kind of been on the horizon. And I've always sort of seen that as kind of a destination to sort of utilise all of my skills. And I guess sort of what leads me to Well, what led me to want to join local government was that I'm just I'm incredibly passionate about what it means to be part of a generation that is responsible for making greater changes, to to, you know, leave this natural world greater than how we entered it.
0: Yeah. No, awesome. I was getting sucked into your background there. Sounds (laughs) like you had yeah, have done quite a lot and then coming to local government from that kind of tech side, you would just bring this I guess wealth of experience, but then also learn so much because it's definitely a, a different world jumping across
1: the pond light lines, London, jumping yeah, across yeah. somewhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Over yeah. the other side. Yeah. 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 The private sector is just something in and it itself, you know, and it's very, very focused, I guess, kind of on that that fiscal mentality, which is totally understandable. You know, it's it's a business model. And then when you enter local government that you kind of remove that bottom line responsibility and it 's all kind of then moved back into actually, how can what I do today deliver a difference that 's not not necessarily fiscally driven there 's always you know sort of business outcomes that we aim to work towards, but you sort of have this different vision of a community and kind of like a greater outcome than just looking at, okay, sort of bottom line and then we can build a solution that will sort of make that flourish. It's more about people and it's just, yeah, an absolute jump and it's honestly, I'm still getting used to it. I think I'm about 11 months in and I'm still sort of going, wow, you know, kind of not waking up every day looking at a report um, Mm. and sort of going, all right, how can I meet that? But just kind of, you know, generally looking at what I can do, how I can sort of build solutions and sort of greater collaborate. It's just a It's just completely different world. Mm. Yeah, the public good aspect and the, or the public servant aspect
0: is obviously much greater, but it's something that you feel more, I think, when you work in government, where you have to feel more, you know, and you can't, explain what it feels like until you experience it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go. What sparked your
1: interest in the smart community space? Well, I think it's sort of leaning back to, you know, that what I'm passionate about. And I was very lucky to sort of have the opportunity to have an introspective on my career very early in life and sort of go, great, based on all these incredible skills and everything I've experienced and being exposed to, Particularly when I sort of worked in Samsung and we, we focused on all of these business solutions and one of the things that really got me going that sort of, I guess, kind of set my soul on fire for lack of a better analogy was when they presented to the Australian team this smart city concept that they would developed and actually implemented in Japan. And it sort of presented this absolute nirvana of, of this city that ran so fluidly, everyone was happy. I mean, we all understand Tokyo is kind of like this incredible oasis. And Samsung actually built the foundations for doing that from, you know, a data server and exchange perspective. And I sort of remember looking at that and going, is that just to be part of something like that, that delivers? delivers absolute transformation, how do I get in on this, you know, and how do I see that happening for me? A number of years later, I sort of went, well, how can I kind of best use this storytelling mentality that I have and this understanding of technology to actually deliver on, you know, the passion that I said before, which is my responsibility as part of a generation to make greater change for community. And smart cities or smart communities we have this sort of source of of collaboration and technology and and you kind of have to be this jack-of-all-trades. And that really spoke to me. I really like to sort of move and be challenged and one day can't be the same. So that kind of got me going into smart communities or smart cities and then obviously kind of delivering that from a local government perspective seemed to me just absolutely shoe fits. So what is a smart community to you? For me... I think you know I'm I'm definitely approaching this from more of a a rural versus urban perspective. And look, to give you some background there too, you know, I haven't always lived in, in the country, in the trees. Um, it's only been a very, very recent transition. Myself and my husband decided that, you know, we're sort of, we were living in a city and, and both working, you know, very city-centric jobs. And we sort of went, you know, I think it's, it's time for a tree change, sort of going back to roots for him, which was really nice for me to sort of live in the country. I've never lived this kind of life before. And going back to, you know, sort of what a smart city or community looks like is very different. And what it is to me out here in my experience is it needs to be more of this sort of living organism or living experience that improves this livability and provides a greater quality of life through a series of systems that are designed to sort of intuitively understand and grow with you and grow around you, it's very, very different in an urban versus rural landscape to see that vision. So I've actually really liked living in, you know, sort of one of one of the most renowned smart cities in the world, you know, the city of Melbourne, to then coming out to more of this rural setting and understanding, okay, so if I move away from just looking at what digital enablement looks like, And actually understand, well, the essence of a smart community is to improve the quality of life of those that reside within it. And that, to me, is the core of what it means.
0: Mm -hmm. And can you give us some examples of when you talk about rural and and regional areas, what are some of the things that are really, I guess, focused on in regional areas that maybe aren't so much in the city or, or vice versa?
1: um it's a good point you know and i think it's around what people can really relate to so i would say there's a much greater focus out here on climate indicators and climate pressures and and how we actually influence the very very Fluid climate that we have. Um, I'll use the example of the most recent bushfires that we experienced out here. Um, Now, I actually live in regional Victoria, and so for me, I was actually in the forefront of a lot of those fires, and then I sort of volunteer, and it actually informed a lot of the strategy that I'd written around, you know, a rural smart city. But it's kind of those aspects where people can understand the tangibility of needing to understand their environment and their direct implications on it, and then how essentially government can influence those through digital technology. And I think it's very different in that urban environment. There's almost like an expectation that these things exist. Yeah, there's data sensors here. There's indicators here. Yeah, my bin might be smart. And that that means a lot because I think you need to drive efficiencies in life when, you know, you're doing the commute to the city and those sorts of things. But out here, there's kind of not that inherent rat race. So, it's looking at things that are more meaningful to the communities, looking at things that influence the communities, both, you know, from environmental perspective, but then also from a municipal perspective. And that, I see, is a, is a real, real difference and disparity between that urban and rural environment and expectation of what a smart community or smart city would be.
0: Mm, that's so interesting. And yeah, the regional focus is something that I am very passionate about as well. So I love hearing other people's viewpoints on it as well, because I think it it is different. There are definitely ingredients that go across all the different, no matter what area you're in. But I think that sense of, I guess, belonging and you know, quality of life that you spoke about, but also the understanding of I guess that even just the culture of a place will play a huge part in, in what the, the vision or the, the strategy will be and the plan will be. And I guess it's the same, like that will happen across all different ones. But I think from a regional perspective, there's, yeah, I guess more meaning put on what we talk about when we are talking about smart communities.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'm I'm so glad to hear that you're also passionate about the sort of the regional adaptation because it's sort of hard to find people that are really, really interested in how it is different. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's more about creating meaning rather than creating data and outputs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, that's gold. That's a
0: tweetable answer right there, I
1: reckon. (laughs) Oh, perfect. (laughs) The sphere is going to go off today with everything else that's going on, and then we're just adding to it.
0: (laughs) But yeah, I I think that there's something special about it as well, and that it can be transformational. I think like in a a city, there's so many things that make a city work. And in regional areas, there are different things that make it work. Mm -hmm. And so I think and there's just such an opportunity for smart communities. And the reason I use smart communities rather than smart city is so then we can actually have, you know, a more inclusive conversation with people in regional and rural areas because, you know, city can be quite polarizing, which I'm not sure if you felt when you've been writing your strategy. But yeah, just that, uh, I guess the difference, understanding the difference, but then how actually building in that to whatever you know project or strategy or whatever you're doing um so yeah no love talking to people that are bringing that regional perspective and and doing really exciting things in regions oh and what i was going to say about yeah transformation i suppose is you go to a city you expect a certain you know you have an expectation of how things run like like you were talking about with well i know you know i just expect my bin service to be efficient and have high levels of connectivity and you know that i turn on the tap and the water's there or whatever and we have similar expectations in regional areas but some of them are very different and particularly i guess back in the day when internet and mobile access wasn't a guarantee mm. you worked differently you thought differently you expected things i think that has carried that carries through with people even when you after you move to the city or whatever you still have that ingrained in you because you know it's how you grew up or whatever so, exactly. um, so i think there's a real opportunity for transformational change where it's not just okay well now my bin service is more efficient but I actually have access to the internet, which means as a, I don't know, as a farmer in off, you know, season, I can offer, you know, online courses or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think, and that can be a new revenue stream. It could be a very lucrative one, or it can just be something that somebody does on the side, but imparting Mm -hmm. wisdom and, you know, creating another income source is something that. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to do if you didn't have this level of connectivity potentially. Yeah,
1: yeah, you're absolutely right and I think the summary of everything that you've sort of said there is we are resourceful but we are also resilient because we have to be that level of resourcefulness in, in our everyday life that we look at everything that we do as, all right, how can I make that a more resilient and sustainable practice? And that's from council. Right down to the individual in the community.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally agree, and I think there's a feeling of a more even playing field potentially, where you know we can have those conversations because, well, particularly in small communities, like I grew up in a very small community, I had no problems talking to the mayor about an issue. I was quite young and naive as well, um, but you know, I had ambitious. no problems, <laughs> um, no problems, kind of voicing those opinions. But then also like understanding what things are really important and what things, yeah, you have to be resilient enough to let go as well. So anyway. Okay, let's talk about your strategy. So I guess tell us a little bit about, you know, why Aubrey Wodonga is such a unique situation to start with, Mm -hmm. um, but then also take us through, yeah, your your recent strategy.
1: Yeah, for sure. Look, I think... Aubrey Donga and honestly, uh, this current environment, you know, we're always going to, I think forevermore, we will reflect back on this pandemic and sort of go, what were the polarizing things that came out of it? You know, it's, it's a point in history that, although it comes with many negatives, is also incredibly exciting to be a part of. And I know that might seem a little bit politically incorrect at this point in time. But what it's done for relevance in terms of Aubrey Wadonga, honestly, was it was unforeseen and you know we can talk a little bit about you know the border closures and and those sorts of things when it comes to stopping people from getting to work but I think it's actually shown how much of a of a hub Aubrey and Wodonga are you know they're, they're two cities that sit four kilometers outside of each other and they have completely different legislation and it's quite funny too and how that plays out in so many nuances but they also have you know a populace that has the same expectation and the same desires and the same needs. And this particular hub of cities has now been shown to be, I mean, not only the 19th largest, you know, with close to 200,000 people just in the cities and their bordering suburbs. So although that doesn't seem too big, I think Bendigo's, you know, 120,000 people alone, but this has got. Almost nothing in between it. You know, Aubrey with Donga, there's like, you know, two hours either side of actually getting to civilization. And then you kind of hit these two cities. And they're so, they're becoming so much more relevant because of, well, their agricultural footprint, their industrial footprint, but also, we talked about resilience before, the innovation that's coming out of these two cities. I mean, you've got three universities, you've got two TAFEs, all in this little hub to service 200,000 people. It's like a, it's like this chasm that kind of hasn't been opened up yet. And yet, this, whole pandemic and the border closures has actually shone this spotlight on us and now all of a sudden it's like we matter we're important we're being seen and you can really see that coming out in the people but I mean prior to that even happening you know I wrote this strategy and we were going through a lot at that point in time you know it really has been since gosh December that these two cities and their surrounding communities have been hit and hit hard obviously bushfires, you know, and then the economic output of that and the social output of that, you know, the, the crippling of our of our healthcare systems when funding has been retracted from us. And there's all these things that you've really got to consider when you're writing something that's supposed to be, you know, quite shiny. And, and I see this kind of like this sparkle around smart city strategies or smart community strategies, which is, as you sort of mentioned prior, more of an inclusive term. So, I definitely have focused on using the term Technology, smart communities, but how can I put, like? How could I possibly sit between two borders, between again two municipalities, and write something that is going to be adaptable across both? It honestly seemed like something that needed to be incredibly philanthropic, and that, to be honest, is how I've approached it. And I approached it with these five themes. So we had these pillars that were derived off you know, community consultation, market research in 2017 when you kind of had, although doesn't seem like that long ago it actually is as you would know Zoe in the Mm -hmm. world of smart cities things move so quickly you know you have to be incredibly agile and at that point in time it was just a focus on services and these 18 services came out of consultation for what the community expected and it was absolutely 18 services and the only 18 things that councils can actually provide so it pretty much summarized council has to make everything smart and we want both councils to to do it and we want them to do it cohesively. So I've looked at these pillars and gone, I need to adapt a strategy out of this. But again, it needs to be visionary. It needs to be full of vision statements that don't tie us to any particular objectives, but also have an outlay that can be understood by two communities with two different priorities and two different sets of expectations. Not to mention, you know, the politics that actually go along with each council as well being governed by their own states. So I sort of went, right, Imogen, you really need to take it pretty much a global view, actually probably more of a galactic view and go, you need to define this and we're going to define it in five ways. So, I focused on developing a connected regional community. I mean, that's such a broad statement, isn't it? But underneath all that, there is plans for regional infrastructure that is cohesive. For example, an IoT network that covers seven L, sorry seven 17 LGAs mm-hmm. that's huge and the kilometer radius in that oh, it's close to 480 kilometers of ground that we plan to cover as one community rather than just focusing on Aubrey and Wadonga as having an IOT network, we're going to focus on a regional IOT network that allows Aubrey Wadonga to become this city hub. So in that, then the next objective is to create and attract intelligent industry. We have a huge gap in our market where you do have a lot of blue collar, which is great for those foundations that I talked about before in relation to the value of Aubrey and Wodonga as an industrial hub. And then you've got people attending university that then don't actually stay in the region. So we've got this big disparity in this kind of white collar worker classification that actually informs more of that kind of corporate business side that drives the economy and then also, you know, sort of how we focus on retaining those people once they've gotten here. You know, how do we attract this? How do we attract new development with a new trend? How do we make it more ecological and how do we keep it here? You know, I don't want it to just be kind of we do a couple of lighthouse things here and there. We want to retain this. The next theme that I focused on was building a sustainable and resilient environment. You know, and I spoke about that before. It's something that's incredibly meaningful. You know, the environment is everywhere. I mean, we live on Mother Earth, but it's not more prevalent than in rural Australia. And everything that we've seen and those fires that, you know, I participated in as well as the rest of my community really informed that statement and that we actually need to work on, okay, data sets that actually inform not only the pattern of our environment but provide us with a benchmark. We're relying on all these other organisations, the CSIRO, the Bureau of Meteorology, but we're not actually taking ownership as a region, not just Orbi Rodonga, but as a region, to then say, this in our 17 LGAs is our climate. And that climate is huge. We hold the lungs for New South Wales and Albury. You know, apart from the Blue Mountains, this is the next state. It's the forest that breathes the air that comes through to Victoria. So for me, that ecological focus and utilising digital technologies to inform that and resilience plan for that is incredibly important. The next theme is focusing on growing and retaining agile innovators. So, I talked a little bit about creating and attracting intelligent industry. It very Again, very important that we keep that white-collar workforce here and they sort of build up the infrastructure with their knowledge, but also keeping and retaining these innovators. And I mentioned before that we actually have kind of this Little communities popping up where, again, we've got to be resilient, and we've got to be resourceful, so we're innovating. But how do we actually make that innovative, innovation purposeful for the region? Not, you know, having hackathons that then deliver an innovation fit for Melbourne City or the City of Sydney, but how do we make it innovative? for the region. And that, again, comes through focusing on things that are very, very similar to urban, um, you know, smart city themes, which is, you know, STEM programs, uh, mentioned hackathons, uh, innovation hubs, but they look very different in a urban environment to a rural environment, being that we don't actually have, you know, uh, all these people with an informed like, well, essentially an informed awareness of what an innovation hub actually is, you know. So we sort of have to build up all of this awareness around all these programs, but we then want to retain it all here and actually provide people with the innovations that have come out of the region in their real everyday life. And finally, focused on wanting to provide an open and collaborative regional city, and this really goes back to that Aubrey and Wodonga being a custodian for all of those four previous themes and delivering them from a regional perspective. And that, again, is going to be coming from things like gathering regional data sets, but not just gathering regional data sets in relation to climate, but regional data sets in relation to things like travel, uh, industry, transport and logistics. And we have a data set that is open sourced. And can provide industry and people with the awareness of exactly what is happening in this region, not just Aubrey, not just Wodonga, but the regions of people that come to build these cities. And I think thats it's so incredibly important and so very, very different from an urban smart city. This is a 480-kilometre smart community. Wow.
0: So much has gone into that. And no, thank you so much for sharing. And I, I didn't want to interrupt. I just wanted to keep listening. So no, thanks so much for sharing that. And I'm really excited to see what projects and programs come out of this strategy. And I guess how you're going to deliver on some of these really big goals. But then, like you said, also making it, uh, bring it back down to being quite practical as well. And what really is important for the region.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And look, it's in the strategy I've been very, very transparent around council's role. And I think that was really important to do is to set that expectation. And going through all of these projects that again at quite high level and they set a, a, they set a tone for an outcome I have been very clear around our need to collaborate our need to empower investment and that's just not collaborating with you know other government agencies that's collaborating with our community to bring these projects to life because we don't have a funding funnel for this sort of thing, you know, it really is. How do I get my hands in every single pie to bring all of these objectives to light under these five key initiatives? Look, as I said, philanthropic because it needs to be and I can't wait to see how each time we approach one of these systematically, how it will actually grow and transform as we work with these 17 councils to actually get their view and their value and their needs and their community desires because we all have these little strategies that sit within us and how do we bring it through this smart community strategy and I think that is going to be my best approach for success with this. Mm-hmm.
0: No, really exciting and yeah, can't wait to keep following along and yeah, it was really great to hear you talk at the Smart Cities Communities of, of the Future conference last week. Um, yeah, really enjoyed that panel that you sat on.
1: Yeah, thank you. It was really, um, it was really great to sort of sit there with other people in you know it's always interesting we've all got such different roles that are kind of focused in this area and I think the theme that came out of that was again we need to be really resourceful (laughs) we need to be really resilient and you could even see that in the individuals on that panel with me and I remember Martin specifically sort of talking about you know I have to do this but I also have to do all of these other things and again it comes back to okay like let's get resourceful because we are regional Australia yet we have so much significance and it's good. I sort of think we're, we're almost not aware of that and we jump into these panels with all of these really, really interesting individuals that come from a very set or defined background of skills that inform their role but in regional councils, that I, I'm, I'm essentially an anomaly because that evidently doesn't seem to be the way. You've got IT guys building weather stations. You know, it's just... It's inspiring and you sort of go, wow, I'm part of a community of such incredible people that don't realize that they're innovating themselves personally, mm-hmm. as well as innovating within their roles to just basically deliver something the community will find purposeful within a smart city or a smart community context. So, it was, it was fantastic to be a part of that. Mm. And that's such great insight there. And
0: it's something that I've been um, talking about as well is uh, when I go to regional, I live in regional Australia, but when I go to other regions before COVID and spoke at conferences or attended conferences and talked to people, you did talk to people rather than somebody's role. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're identifying there is that personal innovation that you have to go through if you get thrown into one of these things, which comes with so many challenges, but also so much opportunity. And also, there's no one right way to do this, right? There's ways to do this, there's standards, there's things that we can learn, but there's no one right way to do this, particularly when you're talking about regional and rural Australia, I think. And I think that, yeah, that personal innovation that you have to go through, I don't know, transformation, that's a bit it's probably a bit wanky, um, but, you know, what
1: <laughs> <laughs> All the buzzwords today. Yeah,
0: <laughs> know, Buzzword bingo today. Um, but, yeah, you've put it really well and it's something I've definitely identified as you start talking, yeah, to the people. And, and on that panel, you definitely were talking to the people, not the role that they are playing, which, you know, you kind of become uh, one and the same, I suppose. But, yeah, it's really, really interesting. Mm, absolutely. Okay, let's talk about emerging trends. What are the emerging trends that people aren't talking about enough?
1: Wow. So, look, for me, I actually see that, I think I sort of mentioned it a little bit. Well, I have touched on it a little bit when it came to something like climate. And I actually think the trends that are emerging as right down to the individual, I think people are becoming, particularly in light of this current situation, more in tune, more well, essentially, I don't want to say woke, but more woke to their own footprint in this world. And I think our capability to actually provide people with that insight through the use of, you know, data sets, digital technologies, whatever it might be, is something as an expectation that I think is going to be a trend that we need to address. And I think it's going to come from... You know, industries actually being able to see, oh, there's a need to, to really justify this project. People want to understand what the output's going to look like for future generations. We're no longer kind of living in this, oh, you know, now, oh, this is shiny. Oh, this output is really exciting at short term. I think the trend is coming more about, all right, what does the planet look like in 30 years? And how are we addressing that? And the expectation is not only coming from within LGAs and councils, but like I sort of said, the, the individual in the in the community. I mean, what does, say, for example, I address a circular economy within the strategy? Because I think that's an incredibly important way to actually skew data, you know, to look at, all right, like if we were to follow a piece of plastic from its evolution to its recycling point, what does that look like and what data sets can we pull out of that? But it's the individual that has impact. Influenced that piece of plastic's journey and we're going to need to start to be able to address that and allow the community or the individuals within the community to gain a sense of importance and awareness and well accessibility to that information so that for me I think is a, a really exciting emerging trend and I've not really seen that being publicly addressed yet Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I I think that's a really interesting trend, and and definitely something that yeah we will see more of. Um, that full life cycle tracking of you know just that example of plastic or whatever or or something, or what happens when you purchase a shirt versus this shirt versus that shirt. What are the factors that are going to go into the choices that we're making will be really fascinating to witness, and then. You're right, the, the role of technology in that is going to be huge. So yeah, it, it will be really interesting to see how that how that pans out. And I think talking from yeah, like a local government perspective, you know, there's certain things that like the community will start to demand that they weren't before. And I think similarly with things like data and privacy and security and those type of things that we're starting to have more mainstream conversations with. Similarly, we'll start to have it's starting to happen in pockets about but now I think more and more so will be in the mainstream of circular economy and things like that.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely it. How do we inform people to make their best possible life choice on a daily basis? And I think that's something that, yeah, as you say, people want to know and, it's def- and they're trying to do it on their own at the moment and it's definitely our role in local government to provide them with that capability to make, you know, that best choice so it's, yeah, it'll be really, really exciting to see where we start heading with this. Okay, two more questions.
0: First one, and I know we're running out of time. First one, what are some of your favourite smart community resources? So what do you listen to? Who do you listen to, follow, et cetera?
1: Well, I mean, of course, this podcast and of course, the Australian Smart Communities Association um, on all the web blasts and everything. I mean, what you guys do and the way you've taken this whole theme of very much moving from cities to communities and just the, the spance of people that get involved in, you know, the event that I was in but even on this podcast, that really helps to inform me that I'm not spinning my wheels in this technological world alone, you know. <laughs> There's other people out there all fighting the same challenges. So at that you guys have been an incredible resource. But I also look to look from a bit of a tech and engineering background. I love the Australian Academy of Technology and Engineering. I'm on their website all the time and they're always talking about actually really similar themes but from this really, really analytical perspective. And I don't just mean data. I mean like analytics and it's it's just really fascinating. Look, Mav Technology, they're great too and they do a lot of really, really good kind of hackathons and I love just, I mean, prior to... You know, the current environment It's actually now really quite good because I can attend so many more things Mm -hmm. (laughs) and keep my accreditations up. But aside from that, and I know this is probably like a really kind of out there one, but I actually try to listen mostly to my community in this way of I interact a lot with my team members and I do a lot of presenting in council because they're my greatest indicators, people that actually work within council in our regional communities. And I sit on a number of different boards across the region that allow me to have those touch points in those 17 councils. So one of my greatest resources is actually all my local LGAs.
0: That's brilliant. Thanks so much for sharing that because I think that is something we need to I guess, go back to a lot of the time because sometimes we get so caught up or not even caught up. We're just, just so interested in what's happening everywhere else, except for where we are, you know, unintentionally. Then yeah. we actually come back to the, like, oh, right, there's a wealth of knowledge here that I can draw on. and And then you can feed in those other bits that you find globally as well. So yeah, no, thanks for sharing that. And Nathaniel Babington of Newcastle also said something similar around um, he just gets so much out of his team. So I love and I, I love that. So that's awesome. Okay, one last question. Oh, it's been so great to chat with you, Imogen. Um, I feel like we could talk for days and I reckon we will at some point. Oh, yeah.
1: I think we should just hang up on this and just get on the phone and just have a chat. <laughs> I agree.
0: Um, one last question. How can people connect with you?
1: The best way to connect with me is my LinkedIn Um, so that's sort of more my professional network. There is a website and I know you guys will provide all of this in the show notes, Mm -hmm. um, but the two cities, one community website. So that's actually going to be my little baby. Um, and the strategy that I've written will actually be published on there, but that's actually going to become, you know, our community forum. And there's also a section there where you can actually send any questions through um, and they'll come through to council and they'll come through to me. So, if you feel like interacting in relation to the strategy, please jump on that website. And then aside from that, I sort of gave my Instagram handle for my personal social media. Feel free to connect with me on that too. Sometimes I sort of share where I'm out within nature and where I get my inspiration from for actually um, sort of creating some of these smart strategy concepts and projects
0: excellent yeah we'll put all the links in the show notes so people can click away and find you it's been so great to chat with you so thank you so much for coming on to the podcast
1: not a worry thank you so much for having me Zoe I've had a great time
0: we will talk again real soon I reckon
1: definitely (laughs) thanks Imogen talk soon no worries thanks Zoe Bye. bye you looking for an engaging speaker mc or facilitator for your next big event then we've got you covered zoe is a go-to speaker mc and conversation facilitator with a difference she's a master at simplifying the complex and making connections you might never see book zoe for your next event email hello at mysmart.community or head over to her speaker page www.mysmart.community forward slash speaking
0: Thanks so much for listening to the Smart Community Podcast. Show notes for this episode and all other episodes are available on our website, mysmartcommunity podcast. If you have any questions for us or any of our guests, you can email hello at mysmart.community. You can also find us on the socials. We are on LinkedIn and Twitter at SmartComHQ. That's com with two M's. If you are enjoying the podcast, please hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we would love for you to leave us a rating and review at wherever you listen. This really helps us reach more ears and eyes. So thank you for your support. As always, we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. The Smart Community Podcast is what you're looking for.